This is Savannah and Allison with Grace-Filled Chatter, where we talk about honoring God with our life, love, work, and relationships. Join us every other week for a little bit of wisdom and a lot of laughter. Oh, man. Hi. Hi. <laughs> What's up? Oh, wait. We don't know this. <laughs> Sorry. It's hey. okay. I said I don't really say that a lot. Oh, are you? I do. Apparently, you do say We're that good. a lot. I'm okay. actually currently really sweaty, but it's fine. I'm sweaty, too. We're upstairs in Savannah's house, so there's no AC. Yeah, there's and no there's AC a fan either. in the background, so if you guys hear it, that's why. There's a fan. Because we're dying. That says nightstand on the back. It's all fine. It's it on here. Number 2200 nightstand. Ash. <laughs> Not Ash County. A-S-H. A-S-H. Maybe it's the color. Probably the color. Anyway, maybe in a week we'll have anyway. AC. That's right. AC. AC. Oh, thank you, guys. Next time we record. There will be AC. Pray for AC. So what's the brightest part of your week been? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well. (laughs) This weekend, Jordan put a gate up on my deck that will block the dogs into the fencing area. That was a pretty bright part of my week. That is a very bright part. Yes. yes. Makes your life much simpler. Yes. Easier. (laughs) Get out there. You can play with the dogs when you want to play with the dogs. Yes. It's very nice. It's very nice. Yeah. What about yours? Um, my best friend had a baby yesterday. <gasps> that is a great that thing. A, it was a great thing. That is a very good. Great thing. I shared with Savannah earlier. I got the text and a picture of the baby, and I bawled. Absolutely <laughs> lost it. What's going on? sitting next to me, and he's like, that baby looks healthy. Like, what's Why wrong, this? honey? What's wrong? I'm like, she's so perfect. <laughs> And this is the same baby that when I got a video of the heartbeat for the first time, also cried. Also cried. And he was sitting there because he was like, are you okay? I'm like, it's a real baby. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. It is. (laughs) I'm not surprised. No. No, by either of us. Mm -hmm. I get very excited for other people. I get very excited for babies because they're my favorite. Yes. Also, I don't know if I've told you, but newborn babies are my favorite favorite. Oh, I do love newborn babies. Fresh out when their eyes are still kind of like trying goopy. to open. Yeah. yeah, and they're goopy and they're looking out at the world and they can't see anything. They're cute. Oh, it's so cute. Most people wouldn't think that. They kind of look cute. like aliens a little they bit. Do. They're so, It's my favorite. They're the cutest little alien that you've ever seen. Favorite phase ever. I like a lot of phases of childhood, but there's nothing like a fresh out baby. That's true. So you send me those pictures and I'm like, oh gosh, that's everything I love. And everybody else will be like, okay. Yeah, right. It's just a baby. All right. Anyway. That's a great part. That's way better than my gate. Uh, No, it's really not. (laughs) But it actually is. A human being that's alive and healthy versus a gate that opens and closes. You know. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Well, okay. Now what are we doing? Either way. Either way. That's a bright part of the week. Bright parts of the week. (laughs) So today, I thought we would talk about a sermon that I heard earlier this week when I really needed it. This was before the baby was born. (laughs) I was having a rougher week at that point. (laughs) And this is something that I think I have run into a lot in the last six months to a year. Like it's just kind of become a habit. And I didn't realize it had become a habit until I listened to this man's sermon. And he is a guest speaker at Fresh Life Church, which is a church in Montana. They're doing a series this summer called Summer Reading. Oh, Shocker that I would watch, click on would that. that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So this Got is, it. This is the guy who started Jesus Culture, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I've heard of that. Jesus Revolution. No, Jesus Culture. Jesus Revolution's a movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
So he wrote a book recently. I don't know what the book was called because he didn't talk about it. He shared a sermon on discouragement. That's what I got. Anyway, <laughs> so it's on YouTube if you want to watch it at Fresh Life Church. But I'm going to share the highlights today because I needed a topic, but it was also like it hit me right where I needed to hear. Have you personally experienced discouragement lately and what was it about? I feel like I experience discouragement often. Mm-hmm. One with my job. Glad I have I'm not a alone. Lot of, you're not alone. <laughs> One with my job. There are so many things, so many patients, and I don't know the answer. I don't know what to do. Or I do know the answer, and it's not good. And I'm like, I am hopeless. I'm helpless. I can't help them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then um, I would say relationships can be a little tricky sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Any relationship. Friendships husband, family, all that, you can kind of get discouraged, and it's all in my head because I think something's wrong. Uh-huh, you know? me too. I'm like, oh, I did something wrong, I done said something wrong, they're mad at me, they don't want to talk to me. And then I turn into a spiral of my horrible person. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, all the time. What about you? So glad I'm not the only You're one. You're not. <laughs> I have issues. Um, I mean, I've definitely felt discouragement in a lot of different ways. Lately, I feel like, again, last six months to a year, I feel like it's been a lot more relationships. And I think the thing I keep hitting, again, not looking at the buildup, just looking at the moment when I feel super discouraged, what I feel is I have tried so hard in this relationship and I have served them so well and they are frustrated with me or they feel like I haven't done enough. Mm -hmm. And then it just feels so hopeless and they're like, I was trying so hard. Like, Mm -hmm. how did it not measure up? Or like, how is it not enough for like, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the wall I keep hitting. And I didn't even realize it had been a habit until I was listening to this sermon. And I was like, oh, I have come to that same wall over and over again. Like, there is something wrong with what I'm doing. But it's not that I'm not trying hard enough. (laughs) You know? It's not that. (laughs) Do you think that you have a habit of ending up discouraged over and over again in a certain area like I just described, like, with the same thing? Or do you feel like it's different? I feel like it's mostly the same thing. It's either work, relationships, or even my walk with God. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I feel that. like I'm like constantly trying or hmm, I think I'm trying but I'm not actually trying in the right way and I feel like I'm just stuck. Yes. Yeah. I feel yes. like I'm just not good enough. The stuck feeling and it's like a depressed stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you're like yeah. no, I can't get myself out of this yeah. stuck. And then it affects everything else in my life. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Same. Yes. 100% the same. Not alone. Thank you. <laughs> not alone. I listened to a podcast this week when I was driving to Winston on a trip that um Jackie Hill Perry and her husband Preston do and they really just talk about random stuff their podcast mm-hmm. is like you never know what you're going to hear I do like their but podcast. sometimes it's very entertaining yes <laughs> so I clicked on one of the more recent ones and it was called something about like Mormonism um, homosexuality and something else it's like I, I three words listen to that okay you need to listen to it okay they did, ended up being an audience questions episode so they start out with this person who asked Preston what ended up happening with the Mormon on the airplane So they unfold the whole story for listeners of the podcast. And pretty much Preston was on an airplane trip with this man who was a Mormon, and he was watching The Chosen on his phone, sitting next to Preston. And so Preston was tired, didn't want to talk to the man, you know, and just felt God nudging him, and finally he was like, all right, I'll talk to this guy. So he mentioned something about The Chosen. And the guy was like, yeah, I really love this show. They got into a conversation about the show. And then a little bit later, he mentioned something that sounded like Mormonism, and it kind of perked Preston's attention. And so he says something about, like, are you a Christian? And the man's like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Which, if you don't know much about the Mormon faith, most of them say that they're Christian. Mm -hmm. So they always try to connect with other evangelicals that they are Christian, too. And so Preston said he kind of started with that line of 
conversation, and I won't go through the whole thing, but they ended up getting into Joseph Smith and why the Mormons believe that there was another prophet that God spoke to that wrote a whole other book that has the same weight as the Bible. Because mm-hmm. that's what they believe. Mm-hmm. So we kind of started talking to him about Joseph Smith a little bit and like, why do you feel like he has the authority to write the Word of God, you know, that wasn't included in the Bible? And so he then was talking to him about that. And then finally he kind of got to Joseph Smith says in his Book of Mormon that you have to do the best work you can do throughout your whole life. And then when you get to the end of your life, Jesus will do the redemptive work of whatever's left to get you mm-hmm. to heaven. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Whereas Bible speaks the opposite. And mm-hmm. that, and he used the verse, your works are like filthy rags, but only like the blood of Jesus over us. When God looks at us and sees that, when he looks at us and sees Jesus, that's when we're saved, mm-hmm. right? That's when we are his children because we're identified by that blood not by our best works. Right. And so that's kind of so that's what they ended up getting a conversation about. But just hearing him say that verse that I have heard over and over again, it hit me with my work and relationships. And it was like, so me working as hard as I can to do the best I can for all these relationships where I keep ending up in discouragement, it's because my works are all filthy rags because I'm trying to do it all. Mm-hmm. And if I'm honest with myself about why I'm trying to work so hard in these relationships, it's because I want them to think highly of me. It's because I want them to love me. It's because I want them to crave my company and want me back. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. all me. It's not about I want them to see more of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it hit me so hard. Like, that's it. Like, that's what I'm doing wrong. So that was all before I listened to the sermon. That was just my <laughs> step one. Yeah, my step one epiphany from listening to Jackie and her husband Preston. Leading into the sermon where he started it, where do you think discouragement comes from? Myself. Yeah. I think it comes from our desire to continually do better and continually want people to see us as good. Mm-hmm. Like we're striving for um, affirmation or we're striving to feel worth something. Yeah. You know? And if we're and continually we fall short, fall short mm-hmm. we feel like we're never going to be good enough. So, oh, yeah. That no, it does. That's yeah. definitely what I do. Um, he opened up his sermon saying that, like, we each have a calling on our life, right? And we can't walk out our calling well when we live without courage mm. and being discouraged is living without courage and I was like wow. what? <laughs> it's a lot of words that I've makes never sense. thought about that but it's true because if we found our courage to do life to do relationships to do our work to do our vocation from God every day we wouldn't feel so hopeless mm-hmm. right because right. he is not a God of hopelessness yeah it's when we lack the courage to go to God and we try to do it all ourselves that we feel discouraged yeah. without courage. Wow. I was like, okay, well, well that, that got me sense. in one sentence. <laughs> okay, and then she watched the rest of the episode, or the rest of the That's sermon. That's right, the rest of the sermon. So we kind of asked right off, so like, how do we get discouraged? Like, how do we keep ending up in places where we feel like stuck and we can't get ourselves out? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of how we described that it feels. This was the biggest point, too, that I feel like 
100% this is what's going on in my heart. And I thought it was such a good bit of truth. But he said, when we walk in truth, we walk toward freedom. Which again, not discouragement, not hopelessment. Hopelessness. Hopelessment. <laughs> Hopelessment. That's all fine. <laughs> but freedom. But when we walk in lies, we walk toward bondage. Mm. And if you think about it, like us feeling stuck and that we can't get ourselves out of our situation is exactly how the enemy wants us to feel as mm. Christians. Yeah. Because we're not being effective. We're throwing our own pity party. And we think we have to get ourselves out instead mm. of relying on the Lord. And that's a lie, you know, yeah. that we feel that we have to do it ourselves or that we feel like God can't get us out. Both of those are lies that we are believing and Satan's totally good if we're believing in lies. Mm-hmm. It keeps us ineffective. It keeps God's power not working through us and he's cool with that, right? He knows how limited our effectiveness is when we feel discouraged and he'll keep feeding us lies to keep us there living in mm-hmm. discouragement. Or the scripture that he used for his sermon was the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, which is one of my favorite Bible stories. So I was also kind of excited that <laughs> that's the one he used. It's found in 1 Kings 18. Which I'm not going to read you the whole story because it's really long. But in case you haven't heard this story before, there was one prophet of God left because all the rest of them had been killed. And there were 450 prophets of Baal. They were all on this mountaintop together on Mount Carmel. They were trying to have the last prophet of God killed. And instead he was like, listen, let's have a challenge to see whose God is really God. And so he let all those prophets of Baal set up as many altars as they wanted to and called on Baal to take their sacrifice. That was the challenge. Whoever's God shows up to take the sacrifice that we've played out for them wins. And they called on Baal all day long. They ended up like, cutting themselves and bleeding all over their altars. They danced, they sang, they begged, they cried. They couldn't get Baal to do anything. So finally at the end of their day, he rebuilt the altar of the Lord that used to be on Mount Carmel that had been torn down. Then he got people to bring buckets of water and they drenched the altar three times. They put the altar, they put the offering on top of the altar and he asked God to show up in order that people would believe that he was the God of the universe. And he immediately sent down fire from heaven. It burned up the sacrifice, all of the water that was in the trench around the altar they had dumped on it, the stones that were were the altar itself, and all the fire that was on top. I mean, all the wood that was on top, sorry. And so God shows up in this really mighty way, super impressive story. And all the people, it says in verse 39, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal, don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Mm. Then Elijah went to King Ahab, who was a fan of Baal and not of God, and was not a good king. Ahab had been residing over the whole competition. And he didn't really say much after God came through in that way, but God told Elijah to go tell Ahab to hook up his chariot and go home. And then the last verse of chapter 18 which is kind of crazy if you've never read it before it says the power of the lord came on elijah tucking his cloak into his belt he ran ahead of ahab all the way to jezreel a man in a chariot he ran faster than a man being pulled by a chariot (laughs) with a horse which is a crazy thing to picture but anyway another really cool (laughs) another really cool moment of god 
And then if you go to 19, the very next chapter, so right after all that happened, Elijah just saw God do this mighty thing. Then God's spirit came over him and he ran faster than a horse all the way to the town. And then you find Elijah completely burnt out, absolutely exhausted. He said, he literally tells God in verse four, he says, I've had enough, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. The first tip that this pastor gave was never underestimate the power of a snack and a nap. Yes. Which is true (laughs) because Elijah just had these amazing God moments. Still got burnt out. Still got overwhelmed and exhausted. And at that point of like, I don't want to do this any longer. Not a single bit more. (laughs) But he took a nap, a nap, an angel brought him food. And he went on for 40 more days, you know, to travel to where God wanted him to go next. So anyway, he said that when you look at this story, Elijah's heart kind of went down with discouragement because he started to believe one of these three things. Either that hope had been lost that God was not with him or God was not for him or that he was on the journey alone. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of why he just gave up. Being one of the only prophets of God still living, having been with that whole competition, King Ahab's heart was still not turned toward the Lord. He was just done. Mm -hmm. He just kind of went into like, how often does our discouragement start with believing one of those three lies? And then we kind of unravel from there. And I mean, I... Every single one of them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Feeling alone is one of the worst feelings ever. One of the biggest ones. Oh, yeah. Loneliness will make me unravel anytime. Mm -hmm. Either alone, like God's not with you, or alone people-wise. It just doesn't doesn't lead us to a great place. He said the biggest reason that we have to be careful is that when we get worn out, our guard drops. What is your next steps when your guard drops? Like what paths do you end up stumbling down when your guard drops? I have, have a you thought noticed? spiral. Yeah. Of either I'm, like if it's loneliness, I'll start thinking, oh, I'm alone. No one wants to be with me. No one likes me. I'm a horrible person. I'm just sitting at home. There's no hope for me. I'm also just not try. You know, so yeah. it's like this, it's just this mm-hmm. downward, downward spiral. Yeah. I think I forget my excitement. Like if my guard drops, mm-hmm. I forget where my joy comes from and like what I'm excited about living for like it just I feel like that's where my spiral um, as that downhill kind of starts you know Mm -hmm. as it's like I forget the excitement of being a child of God and then Mm -hmm. it goes to like well I probably have to do that alone today or probably don't get to see anybody today why would they want to see me anyway and you know and it just Mm -hmm. like keeps getting worse and worse and worse and I feel like when that does happen for me I have a lot of bitterness to everybody else around me so I'm like this mm-hmm. discouraged mess of lonely or and I mean I could have my husband in the next room you know yeah but I'm just like this lonely ball and I'm just like bitter and hateful and just yes. I have no reason to be except myself but you believe every lie that, this, that the devil tells you yeah and when you're talking about initially how he keeps giving you um he keeps giving you these thoughts that um you could do it on your own and like you feel like you're in this 
impending doom. I feel like you're in this pit of sinking sand. It's yeah. like the devil keeps telling you, like, oh, just keep trying. You can get out. Or you just mm. keep doing this, and all you have to do is stop moving and like, grab on God's hand, and he'll pull you out, you know? Uh, yeah. And I feel like we're constantly in this sinking sand because we think we can do it ourselves. And the devil feeds us all these lies saying that we can do it ourselves, and then we just end in the bottom of a sand bed. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, too, like, I don't know if you hear this. I hear a lot of, like, you got yourself in there. You can get yourself yeah, out. Yeah, but you can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't. Okay. We are great at sinning. Yes. We are not great at redeeming. Yes, or knowing that we need to be redeemed. Yes. Accepting that we are at fault. Oh, amen. When we get tired, we become more vulnerable to lies mm. getting into our hearts. Can you say an amen? Yes, That's amen. the importance of a nap, a nap and a snack, all right? Yes. Yes. When we get tired, we become more vulnerable to lies. Mm. Do you have a personal example you want to share? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm always tired. <laughs> And hateful. And then, like, weekends, I was telling Jordan this morning, I'm like, man, I was just so happy on the weekend. Like, I'm just so relaxed. And I go to work, and I'm, like, tired and hateful. And I just want to (laughs) Yeah, I do that, too. Every day. The weekends, Um, I'm so much more relaxed. Yes. For me, I think the thoughts I have of myself transitioning from God's declarations of my worth and my purpose and then turning into like the things that people have said to me or about me or the comparisons I make all of my own just looking Mm. at the mirror. When I rewrite my worth that way, I feel like it's almost always because I'm tired or burnt out, you know? Mm. Like I don't do that when I'm well rested and I'm feeling on fire for the Lord. It only happens when I'm tired and and my body doesn't change that much. I just look in the mirror and I see something different some days because of my headspace. Right. It's true, though. Because we feel like we can just do it on our own and then we're tired. And like, oh, I'll just go take a physical nap. But if we don't go to God and rest, we're just going to be the exact same the next day. Oh, right. Right. Because yeah. sometimes it's physical rest. But rest for the Lord is always needed, too. That makes sense. So his reminder in the episode was to ask yourself what matters in this moment. And the answer is always to guard your heart. Which I think is interesting because when you feel that sinking sand, I gotta get myself out of here. Guarding my heart is not what comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. But he was saying like, we need to start associating. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling stuck in the pit and can't get myself out. That's because I've been believing lies. So the first step I need to do is start guarding my heart from lies. Mm. And then when we do that, it'll create the mind shift that will then help us be like oh i need god to get me out of this right it's interesting yeah that's interesting yeah I feel like it's I'd, true though it is true i know it's like that is a very good practical tip yeah. sir why have i never done this i don't know i've sure never I done it sometimes but <laughs> not knowingly so first number one was don't underestimate the power of a snack and a nap yes my story of being tired <laughs> was when I went to Romania, so I did this, had this two-month internship, I was going to Romania, I was going to Tanzania, I was so excited. I was meeting another intern in New York. No, it wasn't. It was in Chicago. Then we were going to New York together and then to Romania. Well, there was some riots outside the Chicago airport. She couldn't get into the airport. She was banned outside, and my flights got redirected straight to New York so that I wasn't going through the Chicago airport. Yeah, so we didn't meet up. Well, in all that, my bags didn't get redirected. 
So when I landed in Romania, I was tired. Then you know, like over 24 hours of travel, I was alone, and I land, and my bags are not on the carousel. I've gone all the way around. And I hooked my phone up to the Wi-Fi because there were some a couple from China who had been living in Romania with this team I was going to work with that were there to pick me up. So I knew that they might be trying to message me. So I hook my phone up to the Wi-Fi, and then I go up to the baggage claim, what I think is the baggage claim desk. It's not in English. I oh. get up there. She doesn't speak any English. There's no one else in this little airport. I mean, I was in Budapest. Do you think that was a bigger airport? It's not. It's very mm. small. Very small. And there's like maybe three staff members. Two of them left when everybody else walked out of baggage claim to customs. So I'm the only person in this room and this lady. So I'm just doing the best I can. I'm trying to explain my bags are gone. I don't have a bag. So it's probably pretty easy for her to understand, you know, like what was right. going on. I don't know. She figured out. She put out this form for me to fill out. It wasn't in English. <laughs> so we're trying to like point and like, I was using Google Translate a little because I had my phone. Well, about that very stressed out. I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I'm about to lose it here. About to start crying. Oh, and about that time, I get a message from the couple that they're waiting outside through the customs line for me. But the bus driver that brought them from the city in Romania we live in to the, the airport in Budapest, it's a four-hour drive, he has to get back. And he's about to leave. And I was like, I don't have my bag. I'm trying to do this, but she doesn't speak English. So this is like, it's taking a lot longer. We're working through it. I can't, I can't go out through customs until I get this taken care of, you know? I have to make sure my bag is going to get to the four hours away city where I'm staying for two months, you know? I'm like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. And they're like, well, you really need to hurry. I'm like, I'm trying. Thank you for Yeah, so like I'm do literally. You speak the same language? What? Come on. I'm about to lose it. And they're on the other side of this wall, so I can't get to them or anything. Well, finally, the wife texts me back, and she's like, listen, we'll just send the driver on if he has to leave, and we'll just wait here until someone can come get us. And I'm like, you're going to make me wait four more hours for someone to drive over here to us, and then four more to get back. And I'm, it's already like 8 p.m. I'm so tired. <laughs> I get to move this with this lady. We get the right address on our paperwork. I go through customs. There's no one in line because everyone's already been through. So I just walk right through. The bus driver hadn't left us. So we get directly on the bus. So I have not gotten to go to the bathroom. Oh. I have not gotten to buy water or a snack. And my, my water bottle is empty. So we get in the car and we drive a little bit. Well, this couple was very well rested. And they really wanted to get to know me. Everything about me. And it was only the three of us in the back of the bus. You know? And so I'm just like trying so hard to be nice and not to cry <laughs> and then they pull out a water bottle and I was like praise the Lord <laughs> and they hand it to me and I opened it and it goes Psh, oh, no. and it was sparkling water oh. for someone who doesn't drink sparkling water oh, and it was lukewarm no mm -mm. when you were thirsty and someone hands you lukewarm sparkling water no this is not a good day <laughs> let me just tell you Mm -hmm. I think I took a few small sips, and that's all I did in that whole four-hour drive. But when we got there, the direct met me, took me straight to my apartment. There was food in there waiting mm -hmm. for me. The bed was ready. And the next day when I woke up, it was a whole new day. I was so excited to be there. I was so ready for the adventure to explore a new city. Never underestimate the power of a nap and a snack. Oh my word. <laughs> when you need it. Weren't most. you like 20 or like 18 or like 21 uh, or something young? 22, yeah. Yeah, that's young. 22 when I did all that. Mm, that's oh. true. And my bag showed up about four days later. But I had a carry on duffel, like a little one. Thank and I God. had packed for that, thankfully. So I had like three outfits in there, <sighs> lots of underwear. And it was, I was that's very good. prepared.
Oh, man. That was the best losing a suitcase scenario I've had, except for being in the airport at that time. I was like, I don't know how to do this. And I was being rushed. And But we made it all made it out okay. Yes, you made it all okay. Sure, that, that's not stressful. Yep, nap and snack. <laughs> nap and snack. Oh, man. And I think it can be different, too. Like you said, sometimes you don't need the physical nap. You need the physical quiet time with the Lord. You need to yes. go put yourself somewhere completely alone with God for 30 minutes. Yes. Sometimes it's, for me, it's a run. It, it makes me feel so much better if I'm feeling overwhelmed. Have you encountered anything else that just makes you Sitting feel outside, like? Sitting breathing, outside. Breathing. Having no one around Fresh me. Fresh air, man. Sometimes I wonders. have a calm dog. Hold that loves yeah. me. That's good. That helps. Yeah. Holding the baby if you don't have one. If that's yes. not what's wearing you out, that going to help me. someone yes. else's going to hold someone else's yes. baby can be very refreshing. I would agree. I would agree with that. Maybe if you have a baby and you're worn out, you need to have someone come over come and, and hold, hold your, your baby. baby. Yes. There you go. That might be Call refreshing. <laughs> we are two available ladies. We love holding babies. Yes, we do not have babies <laughs> currently. Okay. And then point number two he made was always keep one foot in the water, which I did not understand, mm-hmm. but apparently this is a Navy SEAL term. Oh, okay. Navy SEALs are the only trained special forces to be more comfortable in the water than anywhere else Hmm. that they work. So they tell each other, always keep one foot in the water because that is their high ground. They can win any combat or battle if water is close by or if they're in the water and they pull someone else in the water because they can swim better than everybody else, right? Yeah, right. So he's saying as Christians, we need to keep that in mind because we always need to have one foot on the word of God. Mm. And that needs to be... It grounds us. It is our shield from the lies that the enemy tries to get at us. It's literally what guards our heart from lies. Mm -hmm. The more we're in God's word, the more truth we're absorbing, the less the lies are going to affect us. Mm. Always keep one foot in the word of God. So that was a great, like, yeah, it was a really good, um, the word? Analogy. Analogy. Thank you. Welcome. That was exactly the word. Thank you. (laughs) I tried that time. And the last one we both kind of mentioned was don't show up alone Mm. because loneliness escalates our discouragement, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Knowing who you have in the boat with you, who you have that's in love with the Lord in your life that you can call on, they're the people you need to go into battle with. Mm. Which I think is a wonderful plug for dating. Yes, I mean. (laughs) I mean, as someone who is newly married to an incredibly godly guy do not go in the battle of marriage without that no. you know like Mm-mm. it's just setting yourself up for a harder life absolutely but choosing a person who's in the battle with you and loves the lord with you mm-hmm. to do life with absolutely is a big difference absolutely now like you said i think you still need to have other people because there can be times when they're in the other room and you're still feeling a lot of loneliness so right. i think having friends are a family member here and there that's also absolutely. in the battle with you is a good idea, but absolutely. But your number one is God and your spouse. Oh yeah, yeah. And to remind yourself that that you're not alone. Absolutely. I think that's my biggest issue. Right. Is believing the lies that God, if someone else doesn't want to hang out with me, God probably doesn't either. You know, or something like that along those lines, and feeling like God doesn't want to be with me. Yeah. I think it's also important to recognize that you are lonely, and that's the problem. Because it's so hard. Most of the time I don't realize that that's my problem. Mm-hmm. And I'm like lashing out at people or thinking bad things about myself or, you know, just feel like I'm just like, meh, just here. Yeah. And I think if you don't realize that you're lonely and you're not putting 
things in place the way in the places they should, you're gonna fall into the pit. Yeah. I mean, what you said made me think of this, but I think addressing what lies you're believing mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I do feel discouraged a lot. I do feel the sinking sand pit that I can't get myself out of feeling a lot. Take time with the Lord yeah. to sit still and think about like, why do I continue having this reoccurring bad thought about myself? Or why do I lash out at this one person over and over again? Like try to figure out what it is that you're believing that's not true. Mm-hmm. So that your eyes can then be open to other lies in the future. Because we have to start figuring out a way to see lies versus truth. Which again, I believe the have one foot in the water comment. Mm -hmm. The more of God's word you read as absolute truth, the more lies you will recognize them right away. Absolutely. But at the same time, there could be things that we've believed for so many years, we don't even realize it's not true. You know, and I think that takes some heart digging. And some God opening your eyes to it too. And the spirit being like, hey, this. Yeah. This is the thing. <laughs> yeah. And you might need a good old rest with God and a nap. Yeah. And a snack. And a snack. I always believe in snacks. Yeah. You don't leave the house without a snack. No. When you were talking about <laughs> nap and snack and talking about um, a story, I thought you were going to bring up the story where you had to have a granola bar on at a mm. vacation. But you already said that story before. So it's far away. I have shared that story before. And I did lash out at people because my sugar got too low. It's not pretty. It happens. I feel you, you don't want to be around me when I haven't eaten. Mm-mm. I get hungry too. And they're like, and Jordan's like, what's wrong? I'm hungry. I need food. Sorry. <laughs> I may or may not say sorry. Please don't judge me. Please say sorry. It's usually after I eat. Yes. That's when I'm like, oh, wow. I was a really terrible person 10 minutes ago. Really sorry. I do apologize. But she came out to sorry. play. She was not fun. <laughs> Very sorry about that one. Let me put her back in her hole. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. I read a book. What? So this one is, okay. You read a book? <laughs> I wasn't going to bring this up, but you really just opened the door for it. No, it wasn't. This is a new one. I read it in a day and a half, and Jonathan's reading it now. It's pretty wild. It's called Return of the Gods, and I had heard someone on a podcast talk about it. That's why I was intrigued and decided to read it. And whether or not you agree with all the stuff she's talking about, one of the biggest things he talks about is the state of America right now and how we have gone from a God-fearing country to... A country that has let in little G gods Mm -hmm. and is more focused on those now than we were the Lord. So he's kind of talking about the shift and how it happened and what happened. And he brings in a lot of like ancient Egypt and ancient Rome and Greece and Israel and the patterns of all of them with the little G gods that they believed in and how those gods may all be the same um, like demons or evil spirits that have just kind of come up in different idols or forms to distract people it's pretty much what his point is but the way he talks about america kind of when we started we were starting to be a nation for the lord right and then over time and over generations we have not filled our house with the lord and we have let it become empty and even jesus said when he healed a demon possessed man in one of the parables he says, you know, your body is now empty of evil spirits, but be careful not to let it get filled up again because they will come in seven times more mm. than what you had before. And so Ken talks about America being an empty shell for a while, and then you slowly start seeing these same evils rise up that rose up in Israel and rose up in Rome and rose up in Greece, and it's, it's the same things. 
over and over again because we left an empty house and we didn't keep God in the center of it. And Jonathan just read that chapter last night and he put it down and looked at me with big eyes and it was just like, whoa. <laughs> like, I know. Because it's a powerful message. Because our hearts are the same way. If we leave them empty for too long, lies and evil will get in. Yeah. As Christians, we can't be demon-possessed. I don't mean it in that way. No. But I just mean it in like, if, if we, we are not intentionally mm-hmm. filling ourselves with the Lord, yeah. lies will get in. Yeah. And evil will get in. And that's just the truth of that. We have to be vigilant to be filling ourselves but reading that book, I was just like, whoa, that is what's happened. Wow. And it does seem like a slippery slope because I think they know that, too. If they can just feed us one little lie and then another and then another, we end up in a place we never saw ourselves yeah, ending up. Absolutely. Whereas if they tried to just get us there in one step, we'd be like, oh like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like you're looking at that sinking sand pit mm-hmm. and you look at it from above when you know the lie is like, oh, yeah, no, I ain't doing that. But if they give you a small one and then another small one, you're already mm-hmm. a little bit down in the sand. And then before you know it, you're at the bottom of the sand and you can't even see what truth is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's all about distraction and lies and, like, keeping you not focused on where they're leading mm-hmm. you. You yeah. know, it's just... It's and we, Yeah, it's the craft and cunning. And he's only in it to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think that's what we have to remind ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like these little lies may seem harmless, but they are only for our detriment. Absolutely. Like there's nothing good for us in believing those. Yeah. So we need to identify them and focus on truth yeah. so that they don't lead us there. Absolutely. You know? And it's so hard to know when it's a lie if you don't know the word because mm-hmm. they, make, they make it look so good. So good. Yeah. Because yeah. again, they don't show you where you're going. Exactly. <laughs> the end game exactly. is yeah. not shown to you. No. Yeah. It's so true. So I think discouragement as a summary, I think that's a feeling that we need to take note of as Christians. Mm-hmm. Like we said early on, like when you feel discouraged, stop yourself and be like, okay, this is a sign that I am believing something that's not true. I have gotten off the path. I've gotten distracted a little bit and the enemy wants me distracted. Yeah. So instead I'm going to do a little inventory. What's going on in my heart? Have I been feeding myself truth? Have I been spending time with the Lord? How can I start that? How can I give myself some more truth to stand on so that I don't feel so sinking sand unstable? Mm-hmm. That's true. Not that it will always come. Again, sometimes he mentioned to you, he was like, sometimes these feelings can come from being burnt out, from mm-hmm. working really hard. Sometimes the battle you're fighting is a lot longer than you thought it was going to take, mm-hmm. and that can become with a lot of discouragement. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about people fighting cancer or watching their mom fight cancer and they thought it was going to be over months ago and we're still, you know, like those right. things can make you feel super discouraged. Absolutely. And you can't change that. And that's not necessarily a lie, but there could be something that's stealing your hope mm-hmm. in there that's a lie that Absolutely. you're believing. Absolutely. It's the evil of the world that the devil uses yeah. to take your hope away. Yeah. And it's easy to do mm-hmm. for us to fall into. Oh, yeah. That's true. All right, well, let's pray us out. (sighs) Hey, God, we thank you for wise people who share the things they've learned about you so that we can hear it and be like, oh, yeah, I do that too, and I need that advice too. Mm -hmm. So I thank you for the sermon that I heard at a very appropriate time this week so that we could talk about it. And I hope that you will just pour the truth of how badly we need you 
to all of our listeners' hearts, that they would hear it and be like, oh, yes, God is what I'm thirsty for right now. Like, this discouragement that feels like self-pity is really just my heart crying out for more of God and more stability and more truth and more joy and more hope, all of which is found in you. God, I just ask that you would help us to get our pride and ourselves out of the way so that we can ask you for help. Because like Savannah said, the hardest part for us is accepting your redemption. We know you can save us and we know you're a redeeming God, that it's what your heart is all about. But sometimes it's so hard for us to admit that we need your help. So I ask that you would come into our hearts this week, help us to see lies for what they are and your truth for what it is so that we can be stronger, so we can have more courage to face the heavy workloads and the challenging relationships and the crying babies and the sleepless nights and the sickness and the crime that's going on around us. There's so many things of darkness and of heaviness, but you are a God that can lead us through with joy. So we ask that you would remove our discouragement and help us to live in courage as your children, knowing what is before us and knowing the purpose and the work that you have placed on our shoulders. We love you so much. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.